Welcome to the Eternal Family podcast class. This is class number seven, where we focus on respect and love. What is respect? What is love? Why is respect so essential in family life? So once again, I just want to remind you, three eternal families. I belong to three families. Family of God the Father. And I'm trying to pattern my earthly family after that one. We've talked about that. Another family is the family of Christ. We believe in this church that when you join the covenant, you become a child of Christ. He becomes your father, your parent. And who's Christ married to? All throughout the scriptures, who's, the, who's Jesus married to? The church. And that marriage, Christ and the church, is another family I belong to. And so here I have my earthly family kind of stuck between them. The family of God the Father, the family of Christ. And the more I let these two families influence this family, the more this family becomes eternal. If I want this family to be eternal, I need to embrace the covenant of Christ's family and follow the pattern of Heavenly Father's family. So that's where we are. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's this family. When I let the family of Christ influence this family, my earthly family, my wife and I, the more I treat my wife the way Christ treats the church, the more I apply the principles of the gospel in my, eternal, my family, I can make my family eternal. So then we get a list of them. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on nine principles. So we've taken a very close look at these nine, and I like that they come relationship to each other. I think the first two are a pair, faith and prayer. My family will never be eternal if God isn't a part of it. So it requires faith and prayer. The next two are a very important pair repentance, and forgiveness. So last week we talked about forgiveness. That is a hard truth. But if I am willing to let go of the $18,000 debts, I free myself of $22 billion. And what causes families to break apart is they can't let go of the $18,000 debts. The closer we get together, the more we bump into each other, right? And the more we hurt each other. I love my wife more than anyone on this planet. But I could hurt her more than anyone on this planet. Therefore, the need for repentance and forgiveness in the family is essential. The last two are a fun balance, work and wholesome recreational activities. Work and play, work and fun. Families need to work and families need to have fun. Tonight, we're gonna focus on the three that are left and I think they come as a triplet. I think these three have relationships to each other that we need to understand. We're going to point out, I hope we get through it tonight, we may not, but if I love and have compassion but I don't respect, 
That's possible. I know men who love and have compassion for their wives, but they don't respect their wife. I know people who respect and have compassion, but don't love. And I know some people who respect and love, but don't have compassion. I think these three form a triangle that I think is charity. When we talk about charity, I think there's a healthy dose of respect, love, and compassion. Families will never work until there is respect, love, and compassion. So let's start with the first one. Let's start with respect. What is respect? And what happens in a family when it's there and not there? What does it mean for me to respect my wife? And how is that different than loving her or having compassion for her? What is respect? Let me illustrate. Let me talk. Let's talk about respect. And I have these on my phone, but not this. I wasn't ready for the chapel. So let me just, let's do this. Okay. I don't need Amazon. I need, I need that. Okay. Can anyone tell me what's the, what makes this piece of paper worth a dollar? I will tell you this, the paper and the ink are not worth a dollar. The little note at the top that says this note is legal. So a, a piece of paper isn't necessarily worth a dollar. Now, if I were to forge this, it wouldn't be worth a dollar. Tell me why this piece of paper is worth a dollar. So is that what makes it a dollar as they insured it? What if I don't care? What if I don't care that they insured it? Is it all of a sudden worth a dollar because, I, because they did? What makes it worth a dollar? Someone what? Therefore, someone does what? Someone accepts. We all accept that this were, is worth a dollar. We just accept it. The government says this piece of paper is worth a dollar and we accept it. And so when you hand me that piece of paper, guess what I hand you? A dollar's worth. Because I accept this. In other words, I respect this. I respect its value. I respect that you tell me that this piece of paper is worth a dollar. I respect that. And therefore, I treat this paper as if it were worth a dollar. Now, what if I were to add a zero? What if I were to add two zeros? If I were to add two zeros, it's still a piece of paper. But now all of a sudden, I treat it differently. I treat it differently. What if, and I wanted to have this downloaded, sorry. But what if, by chance... And I know these don't exist, but let me just do an imitation. What if there really were a piece of paper like this? 
If there were a piece of paper with a one and six zeros, would you treat this piece of paper differently than most pieces of paper? Now, if I had a dollar bill, I have had dollar bills wadded up in my pocket. But the more that dollar bill turns into a 10, a 100, if I had a piece of paper worth a million dollars and I respected that value, how would I treat it? I wouldn't wad it up and put it in my paper. In other words, the way I treat it is proportional to the value I place in it. That is respect. Respect is to acknowledge the value that God has placed in each one of us. The government, now I know that this doesn't exist, but imagine if it did. The government says this piece of paper is worth a million dollars. And I respect that. I accept because the government told me it's worth a million dollars, I would treat this piece of paper oh so carefully. Much more differently than I would treat any single piece of paper I possess. So if Heavenly Father says to me, that my wife is of tremendous eternal value and I believe it. I accept the value he has placed in her. How do I treat her? How would I treat a woman that God considers that valuable? That is respect. Respect is when I accept and I acknowledge the value and treat it with respect to that value. If I wad up this piece of paper, then you would say I don't respect its value. Now, the reality is I wouldn't have a problem tearing up this. I wouldn't have a problem wadding up this piece of paper because I don't value it. No one values it. The government doesn't value it. And so this is not worth treating. So what happens, what would you say I'm doing if I treated an actual million-dollar bill the way I would treat a fake million-dollar bill? Therefore, to treat my wife in any way, unbecoming of the value God has placed in her is showing disrespect. I disrespect my wife when I don't see her value. Do you see respect? Now, we did this a couple weeks ago, but we've got a, a, several new faces. Let me do it one more time. Everyone pretend like you're doing it for the first time, okay? Let me show you respect. Let me show you respect. Everyone turn to Luke chapter 7 in the New Testament. There's that beautiful story. Remember the woman that was, that, the, woman that was the sinner? 
All right, New Testament, Luke chapter 7. Ah. Now, there are two men in this story and one woman. I want you to tell me who respects her and who does not, and how do they show it? One of the Pharisees desired Jesus that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, his name's Simon, and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. And I'm guessing everyone knew it. She had a reputation, and everyone judged her. When she, and when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw, interesting word, it. He saw it. What did he say in his heart when he saw it? She's the scum. This, she's the scum and he's letting her, her touch him. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that is that toucheth him, for she is a... Uh, that's what he saw. Tell me what Simon lacked. Respect. Because he saw her sins. He saw her sins. Now, allow me to be blunt, but some hum husbands look at their wife and see her body. They see it. And if I see it, what do I lack? Respect. It is possible to love my wife and not respect her. Because I don't see. What's that? And you, we can make that argument. But I'm going to make a case for, yes, it's possible to love without respect. Now, if you lack this triangle, what's, what's ultimately going to happen? And that's where we're going. But do you see the need for respect? I see her and not it. I don't see her actions. I don't see her failures. But Simon saw it and treated her. What's he saying about her? Ew, I can't believe Jesus is letting her touch him. Ew. Do you see how he's treating her relative to what he saw in her? Now compare that to Jesus. This is a beautiful little moment. Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which will love him the most? Simon answered, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And then he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. It's a beautiful moment. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon. Four beautiful words. 
Seest thou this woman? Do you see the contrast? Simon saw it. Jesus saw her. That's respect or the lack thereof. How does he treat this woman that Simon said, I wouldn't dare let her touch me? How does Jesus treat this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto her. Now what did Simon call her? A sinner. What has Jesus called her over and over again? A woman. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And then he turned unto her and said, Thy sins are forgiven. How did he treat her? A sinner. With With tremendous respect. How did Simon treat her? With no respect. Do you see what respect is? Can I push a little bit, maybe in a direction you're not thinking? Sometimes when you date... You go on a date and you're so worried about, are we a match? Is she right for me? Is she doing the things I want in a spouse? Is he the person I want to be? You're seeing it and not seeing the person you're with. Long before you decide, are we a match? You need to see and respect the person you're dating. Until you learn to respect, don't ever marry them. Learn to respect. Well, we get caught up in dating, right? What are we looking for when we're dating? Does she act the way I like? Does she say the things? Is she the person I want to marry? We're seeing it and not him or her. Do you see what we've got to do differently? We've got to fix some things. Please. Um, it's like being in love with the idea of being, of being loved. Yep. And you don't actually love the person. Yep. So it's like a facade of love. Okay. And, that, and that's our night. We're going to do love. We'll do love in a second. We're going to talk about the difference between love and being in love. And so many people are in love and they don't love. And respect is that same thing. Sometimes we get caught up in the the moment or the magic and not the person. Now, can you tell me what it means to respect a child, a spouse? Have you seen parents who don't respect their children? Tell me what respect towards a child looks like. 
What is the it that parents often see in children? Loud, Loud obnoxious, and on the wall. doing something I don't want, <laughs> marking up something I don't want, being re- loud. They see it. And they treat the child based on what they see. Now tell me what it looks like when a child is misbehaving and a parent respects that child and sees him or her. Do you see what the absence or the presence of respect does in that situation? Now I still, got a, I got a, I still have a child throwing a fit in a grocery store. One time, <laughs> my youngest, my wife and I get a medal for raising that one. We went to Smith's one day. You know the Smiths have those little teeny carts for the little kid. He saw that and he was in heaven. So he's pushing this cart and he's banging into everything and he doesn't care because he's got a cart to push and I'm trying to steer him so he doesn't bang into people and it's time to check out and he doesn't want to check out. And so I pick him up because I'm trying to pull him away from the cart and he's yelling, no, dad, no. And he starts yelling, don't hit me, don't hit me in the middle of the store. And it's like, okay. Now that's behavior that I need to change. But if in that moment I lose my respect, how do I treat him? Versus I still see him. I still see him who got really excited because there was a cart for him to push and there's never been a cart for him to push and he loves carts to push and bless his heart. I see him. Do you see the difference? That one element is so critical in families. Do you see their value? Or do you see the distracting behaviors? Do you see it? Or do you see them? Please. I also think I was telling the story about a child. When you see the child as a child, is it easier to kind of forgive what they've done versus, okay, you literally threw a tantrum. Yeah. It's a little bit harder and to forgive. Done this actually so I think respect is really important for forgiveness. Because guess what he's not, Bryce? Guess what he's not? He's not an adult. He's a kid with a cart in Smith's. And as long as I see who he is, I'll treat him differently, won't I? Do you see how that plays in families and marriages, in dating, in every aspect of our life? Do you have respect for the people you're, you're dealing with? Uh, it also kind of relates to, with the respect side of things, of understanding their perspective. Ah. Guess what? You see what you just did? Tell me what he just did. Do you see what he just did? He made a connection there. What did he just do? Respect. I went too high. Respect and you made the connection. You made the connection. Respect, compassion, and love are all related. But singling them out for a second, do you see what respect is? Now, have you seen 
a lack of respect in a marriage, in a family. Now, does that have an imp implication on the success of the family? You're smiling. Tell me why. You're safe. But, um, I grew up in a verbally and emotionally abusive home, and my parents' marriage wasn't the healthiest marriage. So um, my dad's an example of what I don't want in a husband or a spouse um, because of his bad behavior, and yeah. disrespectful behavior. Do you see the, do you, can you now put your finger on what was wrong in some of those circumstances? It was a lack of respect. So have you seen what you're looking for? Yes. And what is it? What are you looking for? Respect, loyalty, um, does it lose its temper all the time? So, yeah, I mean, I've learned from a bad example. Okay, he sees me. Always. He sees me. See what respect is? Okay, let's do love. I don't think we're going to get to compassion today, but we'll do love. We'll try and get to, we'll do compassion next week, and then we'll talk about them as a trilogy. Because what does it look like if you lack respect, but you have the others, or you lack one? So let's talk about love. Now, unfortunately, the English language has butchered that one word because one word is used to describe so many things. And so love is a complicated thing. So what is this love? What is the gospel love? What is the love that we're talking about that makes family successful here? Allow me to use C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis and his description of the difference between love and being in love is one of the best things I have ever read. So let me use the, let me do this. Let me just pull this up, and unfortunately, it's HTML, so I can't zoom in, um, but I'll do my best. Okay, C.S. Lewis, being in love versus love. That's the biggest I can, I can't zoom in, I'm sorry. You guys see okay? C.S. Lewis wrote, being in love. Now, that's the excitement, the thrill, the Twitter patient. It's the emotion. Being in love is a good thing, but it is not the best thing. There are many things below it and there are many things above it. You cannot make it the basis of a whole life. It is a noble feeling, but that's just what it is, is a feeling. Now, no feeling can be relied on to last in its full intensity or even to last at all. Knowledge can last, principles can last, habits can last, but feelings come and go. In fact, whatever people say, the state called being in love usually does not last. I think I could drop the word usually. The state called being in love never lasts. If the old fairy tale ending, quote, they lived happily ever after, is taken to mean they felt for the next 50 years exactly as they felt the day before they were married, then it says what probably never was nor ever could be true and would be highly undesirable if it were. Who could bear to live in that excitement for even five years? What would become of your work, your appetite, your sleep, your friendships? 
I can always tell when you had a boyfriend or girlfriend in high school because your grades look like this. But of course, ceasing to be in love need not mean ceasing to love. Love in this second sense, love as distinct from being in love, is not merely a feeling. I like that he said it that way, because are there feelings associated with love? Of course, but love is not a feeling. If love is a feeling, then we have a problem, right? Because what do you know about feelings? They don't last. They don't last, but love needs to last. So I love that he said love is not merely a feeling. There are feelings associated with love, but love is not a feeling. So what does C.S. Lewis define as love? It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit, reinforced by the grace which both ask and receive from God. In other words, love is, I choose you. I choose you. I will myself, and I'm going to make a habit of it. Love is much more than a feeling. Love isn't, isn't, oh, I'm so attracted to her. Love is, I choose her. I wake up in the morning and I choose to be with her. And on bad days, I still choose to be with her. I choose to be with her. Will habit Grace, that's love. They can have this love for each other even at those moments when they do not like each other. Can I love my wife? Could my, uh, this is easier in the reverse because she never does anything wrong. (laughs) Could my wife still love me when she's mad at me? If love is an emotion, then you'd have to say no. But could she have a negative emotion towards me and still love me, still choose me, still be committed to me? Do you see what love is and what love isn't? They can retain this love even if they would, if each would easily, if allowed themselves, be in love with someone else. Being in love first moved them to the promise, to promise fidelity. This quieter love enables them to keep this promise. It is on this love that the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. Now, I think most of us start marriage by an attraction. I saw my wife, and oh my goodness, did she blow, take my breath away. I was at the podium. She walked in the back of the chapel and took my breath away. And yes, it was attraction. Attraction led to a relationship which led to, I am committed. And it's not being in love. It's, I choose her. I choose her. Does God love me even in those moments where he's not very happy with me? He does. 
Because love isn't, I'm happy with you. Love is, I'm committed. I choose. I choose you. Now he continues. People get from books, let me get this up on top. People get from books the idea that if you have married the right person, you might expect to go on being in love forever. But guess what happens? As a result, when they find they are not in love, they think this proves that they've made a mistake and are entitled to a change. Not realizing that when they have changed, the glamour will presently go out of that new love just as it went out of the old one. In this department of life, as in every other, thrills come at the beginning and do not last. The thrill you feel on first seeing some delightful place dies away when you really go live there. Now, does that mean you would be better not to live in the beautiful place? By no means. If you go through with it, the dying away of the first thrill will be compensated for by a quieter, more lasting kind of happiness. What is more, the very people who are ready to submit to the loss of the thrill and settle down to the longer lasting happiness are then most likely to meet new thrills in some quite different direction. This is, I think, one little part of what Christ meant by saying that a thing will not really live until it first dies. It is simply no good trying to keep any thrill. That is the very worst thing you can do. Let the thrill go, let it die away. Go on through that period of death into the quieter happiness that follows. And you will find you are living in a world of new thrills all the time. But if you decide to make thrills your regular diet and try to prolong them artificially, they will all get weaker and weaker and fewer and fewer, and you will be a bored, disillusioned old man for the rest of your life. It is because so few people understand this that you find many middle-aged men and women maundering about their lost youth at the very age when new horizons ought to be appearing and new doors opening all around them. You see the difference between the thrill that people think love is and the commitment that love really is. Let me give you an example. Anyone play an instrument? Tell me about being in love with the instrument versus loving the instrument. Sometimes I want to break it over the stairs and push it down the stairs. Now, how many people have fallen in love with the idea of an instrument, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this. They're so caught up. They're so enamored with the idea. They're in love with the instrument until they find what? It's hard. Now, the people who continue to play the instrument have done what? They've let the thrill die. And what replaced it was commitment. I hate this instrument, and yet I'm going to pick it up and practice today. That's love. You see the difference? One more example. I'm coming. One more example. When my daughter was 13-ish, my oldest, she's now 31. But when she was 13-ish and was babysitting, and babysitting money is precious, she fell in love with a pair of non-prescription glasses. She thought it would be so cool to wear glasses. It's not. And so she bought 20, she paid $25 for a pair of nice 
non-prescription glasses. $25 when you're 13 and all you have is babysitting money. That's a lot of money. And she was so excited to wear these glasses. Now tell me what happened after about two weeks. They broke. Nope, never broke. After two weeks, the thrill of wearing them was gone. And she never did. Now, those of you who wear your glasses every day are not in love with them. No. She, she was in love with glasses. Those of you who wear them every day are committed to it, right? I am committed to putting these on. Even when they give me a headache. Even when my emotion for them is negative. You see the difference between love and what we often interpret as love, as the emotion. Now we, unfortunately, I've watched a lot of people I'm related to, married for 25 years, walk away because the thrill is gone. Love is not the thrill. Love is the commitment. Love is the choice. Love says, I choose to be with you. Respect says, I see you. Love says, I choose you. And I choose you tomorrow. And I will choose you for the rest of my life. I am grateful that Heavenly Father doesn't walk away from me when he's mad at me because I have given him many opportunities to do so. But he loves me. And even in those moments where his emotion towards me is upset, he still is committed to me. He chooses me. And that's love. Now we're going to pause there. We need to end. But let's do compassion next week. So can I stay committed to someone if, if, we use, if we use that narrow definition? Can I be committed to someone and not respect them? Yes. Can I be committed to someone and not have compassion for them? It's only when they are a triangle, they are a, they're a trilogy in my life that my family is successful. I see you, my darling. I see who you are, and I stand in awe that I get to walk hand in hand with you. I see you, and I choose you. Respect and love. Now we need one more element, and that is compassion. I feel what you feel. I feel what you feel. And that makes it a trilogy that makes families work. I testify that respect is a critical ingredient. And I would ask that none of you marry anyone that doesn't respect you, that doesn't genuinely respect you and choose to be with you. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 
Thank you for joining us for the Eternal Family Podcast class. This has been class number seven, Respect and Love. Would you ponder and discuss with someone in your inner circle or with us or with me, what do you now see is so vital to families that we have respect for each other? What have you seen happens to families where we lack respect? What are you going to do to make sure that your future family is filled with respect for each other? Yeah.